welcome to this presentation of Bethel Family Church. We hope you enjoy listening and that it helps you to grow closer to Jesus. So we've been looking over the last few weeks and walking through kind of God's purposes for the church and how that those kinds of things are fulfilled in our lives through the church. And God gave us the church as a place that, that you and I can uh, learn and fulfill the purposes that God has for each and every one of us. And this week, we're going to talk about ministry. We're going to talk about serving others. Some of you have probably looked at your notes already and it's up on the screen. Ministry is the secret to greatness. Did you know that? Well, by the end of today, you will know it very well. (laughs) This is what Jesus talks about, and we're going to look at some stuff. This is what Jesus said, uh, Matthew 23, verse 11, says this. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, The greatest among you must be a servant. So Jesus, the greatest person who ever lived, the the person in history who had the most significant impact uh, on the way our, our society is shaped, the way our world is kind of formed. He, it was God in human form, said, I want to show you what true greatness is. He says, I want to model it for you. I want to help you see that there is nothing greater in life than serving God and serving others. Mark chapter 10, verse 45, says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give His life as a ransom for many. Jesus had a greater impact on the world than anybody else who ever lived and He did it through serving. And He wants you and I to have a profound impact on the world around us. I don't know if you think about that very often but God wants you to have an impact in your world, in your workplace, in our city, in your home, in your, your social group, your social circle, your, your sports club, God wants you to have a profound impact on our world. And He tells us that the way that we do that is through serving. Now, this is a, a truth that go, goes beyond just what it means for us as Christians. There are, there are, this is one of those kind of God principles that works whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, or it is true whether you're a follower of Jesus or not. The businesses recognize the power of serving. Uh, any good business, any successful business, will recognize that the success of their business relies on how well they can serve their customers or their clients. Uh, good bosses know that the part of their success as a, as a boss is by serving the people who work under them or with them or for them. Some of us have probably worked with some bosses who probably didn't get that concept so well. <laughs> but some of us have probably worked with some great bosses. I know Haley has. No. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Some of us have, have probably worked in some great workplaces and, and, and one of the things that I think probably made them a great boss and made that workplace a great place to be was the fact that that boss understood that he was there, at least partially, to, to serve his employees and those that were part of that team, that work group. Now, we often have, uh, part, I think part of our confusion around this sometimes comes because we have a wrong picture or an inaccurate picture or an incomplete picture of what it means to be a servant. 
Often we associate serving with weakness, don't we? Someone who serves uh, is only doing it because they haven't climbed far enough up the ladder yet. Serving is often associated with weakness, it's often associated with low status. A servant has no power because we think if they had power, then they would have servants to attend to them and they wouldn't be serving anybody else. We see those who serve as someone with, maybe, particularly when it comes to like volunteering, people who, who volunteer and serve without remuneration do it because they've got nothing better to do. They've got lots of time on their hands, so, you know, it's just something to sort of fill the hours of the day. It's only something you do if you, until you get a real job. <laughs> God doesn't, now, God doesn't want us to be a slave to anyone or anything other than Him. We can only have uh, one master. And the Bible talks clearly about how God is our master and we're not to be slaves to anything or anyone. And Jesus came to bring freedom, to set us free from all of that stuff so that we didn't have to be slaves to any of those things anymore. But He also says that He wants us to serve. So it's not about being kind of in, in, in bondage or, or being powerless or having no other option, but there's, a, there's something that Jesus talks about uh, choosing to serve and th- th- there is power and there is greatness that comes when we choose to serve. So Jesus comes and He wants to show us what it means to be a servant. Now, if you've got your Bibles this morning, or we've got it on the screen, but if you want to follow along in your Bible, we're going to be reading from John chapter 13. And it's a passage that's probably familiar to a lot of us. It's the passage where Jesus washes the feet of His disciples. But let's just kind of read it through first, and let me just kind of break it down and look at a few points come out of this passage about how Jesus teaches us what it means to be a servant. Now, this is a really... Uh, this passage of Scripture gives us a glimpse into a really significant moment in Jesus' life and Jesus' ministry. Now, the disciples don't know it at the time, but this is kind of the last evening that they spend together. That's why we kind of sometimes refer to it as the Jesus is going to be together with His disciples. And Jesus knows this. And so, Jesus has got something really important. You, you would think that you've got these, these guys that are going to take over your life's work after you die, that the last night you spend together, if you know it's the last night, you're going to tell them something, you're going you're to talk about the important stuff with them, aren't you? It's not just going to be like chit-chat about the weather. Like, if you know this is your last chance to really impart to these guys that you've been training and investing into for three years, you're going to say something that <laughs> meaningful, I reckon. And so Jesus, as they're sharing this meal, Jesus starts talking to them about the importance of serving in God's kingdom. So let's read John 13, uh, starting from verse 1. It says, Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that His hour had come to leave this world and return to His Father. He had loved His disciples during His ministry on earth, and now He loved them to the very end. It was time for supper my favourite time of the day. (laughs) And the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So, he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet 
drying them with the towel he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never ever wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you, for Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Okay, so let's look at what it means. What do we learn from this passage of Scripture about Jesus teaching what it means to be a servant? The first thing is this, servant's love. The first verse that we read, John 13 verse 1, says Jesus knew that His hour had come, He had loved His disciples during His ministry on earth and now He loved them to the very end. And John puts this act of Jesus washing His disciples' feet, he begins this passage talking about how Jesus had loved His disciples. Uh, The the phrase that's used there, um, the very last phrase, to the very end, can also mean, uh, it's kind of a a phrase uh, in the original language that kind of means to completeness or to fullness. And it kind of can mean like to the end in terms of time, but it also can mean to the fullest extent, to to perfection. He loved them with perfection or to to the, in the fullest way. And, and so part of, I think, what John is talking about here, he's talking about if, what, when Jesus came and, and, and washed His disciples' feet and lowered Himself, He was saying that this was an act of love. It was a demonstration of His love for His disciples. Ministry starts with our motivation. If ministry isn't motivated by love, because ministry can be motivated by lots of things, can't it? Ministry can be motivated by guilt, ministry can be motivated by fear, Uh, ministry can be motivated by greed or selfishness, there's all kinds of things that can motivate um, ministry. But when ministry is not motivated by love, it, it usually doesn't last and it usually isn't fulfilling and it often wears us out. at some point, it's very likely that we'll resent doing it. We'll be like, you know, you want to, yeah. start to get to that point when you're like, oh, do I have to keep doing this? Why am I doing this? 
you know, nobody cares, nobody appreciates me. No. <laughs> but when you're motivated by love, you discover that kind of fulfilment in serving that God wants us to have. Now, Jesus was perfectly motivated by love. Jesus is the ultimate example for us. Now, uh, what about you? How, how, how uh, perfect, perfect is your uh, motivation when you serve others or do ministry? So I, I, I won't ask anybody to actually respond to that question. I think probably most of us could say we're somewhere less than perfect in our being motivated by love. Would that be accurate? Yeah, <laughs> somewhere less than perfection. And, and I think well, like we're all in that boat, aren't we? You know, and, and saying that we ought to be motivated by love doesn't mean that we shouldn't serve and can't serve until our, our motive is, perf- is perfect, until our motivation, or, or we'll never get there, will we? What, nobody will ever serve and nobody will do anything because they'll say, oh, my motivation's not quite right yet, still working on it. No. The more important question is, are we growing in our motivation to love? How do we do that? How do we grow in that motivation? Well, I think it starts by being reminded uh, and reminding ourselves of God's love for us. We love because He first loved us. When you look at how much God loves you, let that begin to be the motivation for what we do for others, for how we serve others. Galatians 5 verse 13 says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. God has given us the freedom to choose. That's a a scary thought, isn't it? We can choose selfishness. (laughs) Or we can choose love. We can choose to serve each other in love. We may always love what we're doing, but we can still serve from a heart of love. There are things that you will probably do when you start to apply this principle more in your life or you've probably already experienced. You, you'll do things to, to help someone or because you care about someone that you don't necessarily love that task. Parents know all about this, am I right? <laughs> Mums don't always love cooking meals, do they girls? <laughs> um, parents don't always love changing those dirty nappies. Do they, Deb? <laughs> Just because we don't, you know, you, you cleaning, you know, you volunteer for something, you, know, you may not love cleaning toilets. You know, I don't know of anybody who does. I think there have to be something wrong with you if you do, but uh, <laughs> we don't have to love what we're doing to be motivated by love. You understand my point. Uh, okay, so we're motivated by love. Number two, servants know who they are. Verse 3 in John 13 says, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. Jesus knew who he was. Jesus knew what kind of authority was at his disposable. He had fed 5,000 people with a few loaves of bread and a few fish. He'd stood up and calmed uh, a raging storm with with a word. You know, he, he had cast out demonic spirits. He had, he had taught with authority. He had spoken healing. He, he was not a person who was unaware of the authority that God had given him. Yet Jesus served 
out of that security of knowing who he was. He knew what authority he had. He knew that he belonged to God and he chose to serve. He wasn't trying to win anybody's affection. He wasn't trying to win anybody's approval. He wasn't trying to impress anybody. Pretty sure that they had already been pretty impressed by all the things that he'd done up to that point. Am I right? (laughs) Here's the thing. When you serve out of insecurity, when you serve to win approval or affirmation, you're always looking for it. When you serve to win approval, you're always looking for that affirmation. You always need accolades and applause. You always need a pat on the back. You need approval and you try to find it sometimes, don't we, by making ourselves indispensable. If I, if I you know, do this and I get really good at that, then you know, they'll, they'll need me. I'll be needed. And most of the time when we serve out of that kind of insecurity, we end up disappointed and often resentful uh, because somewhere along the way, there'll be a moment when we thought we deserved uh, recognition and we didn't get it. I guarantee it. If we are, if we are serving in order to find value we will be disappointed. If we don't know how much God values us, then we look for ways to be valued by others, don't we? And essentially what we're doing, I don't know if you've ever thought about it like this, but when we're looking for, for affirmation, when we're looking to be valued by people, we're putting those people in the place that ought to belong to God. God is the one who assigns you your value, who gives you your worth. When we look for that for people, we're giving people that role that really belong, rightfully belongs to God. I wrote this little statement down. It says, if any person can make you feel worthless, you've lost sight of who you are in God. No person can make you feel worthless when you know your value to the King of Kings. And the Lord of Lords. Sometimes we can lose sight of that identity in Christ and who we are in Christ. Satan is often into it. We, we hear a lot of talk about identity theft in our world today, don't we? And it's like Satan's into this idea of identity theft. It's a little bit, it reminded me of uh, uh, a movie. Um, I think they did a remake recently, but I always like the original of Overboard. Who's seen Overboard? Goldie Horn and Kurt Russell. Yep. She's this fabulously wealthy woman, you know, on a luxury yacht. She falls overboard and has this accident and loses her memory. And the uh, Kurt Russell, who's kind of the tradie with these, you know, he's a, a widower with three boys. He he convinces her that she's his wife and is kind of big, she becomes like the, the drudge around the household and you see her scrubbing the toilets and, you know, look cleaning up after the boys and, and all this kind of stuff. It's, a, it's quite a funny movie, but um, it, sometimes it's a little bit like that. We have this amazing identity and wealth in Christ, but it's almost like we've completely forgotten about it. And we're living through drudgery and, and, and in poverty when in reality, our dad's the king. And Satan will want to steal 
that identity away from us, understand who we are and our worth and our value to Him, then we don't need affirmation or approval from other people, do we? We can take that lightly. Okay, so servants know who they are. Number three, servants meet needs. Meeting needs is at the core of what it means to serve. If I serve, I'm meeting someone's need. And that's what Jesus was doing. They all had dirty feet, didn't they? The room that they met in didn't belong to them. It was, it was kind of on loan. And apparently, it didn't come with servants to, to wash their feet. There, were, there was all the things they needed to do it, but there weren't, there weren't servants there to serve them. So there was nobody to do it. And you can imagine a little bit how that, the conversation might have gone. You know, it's like, hey, I'm, I'm not doing it. I brought the lamb. No, well, I prepared the wine. It's not my turn. You know, I'd, you, know you do it. Yeah. It was kind of like finger pointing and like, oh, I don't want to do that job. You know, can't someone else do it? <laughs> I sit at the table. Whose turn is it? <laughs> it's an interesting thing. Do you ever, have you ever read in the Bible anything about turns when it comes to serving? And ministry. Have you ever seen, have you ever heard any passages of scripture that say, you know, love one another when it's your turn? Yeah, you know? like serve one another when you're rostered on. Yeah, it's not. It's not really, is it? And so Jesus, he saw that there was this need. There was this job that needed to be done. There was a room full of stinky feet, um, which is not conducive to eating or appetite. So he's like, is this job to do? And to meet this need. He says he got up from the table, he took off his robe and wrapped it around his tail around his waist and poured water into the basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around him. I can it doesn't take too much imagination to think that probably wasn't a particularly pleasant task. You know, we were talking before about jobs that people don't really, you know, you don't have to love the task to be motivated by love. I think this was probably one of them. Now, Jesus had, there would have been at least 12 other guys there. So, you know, two feet each, that's 24 feet. That's quite a lot of stinky feet. No foot spas in sight because Mother's Day wasn't a thing back then. So, you know, <laughs> it wasn't like you could just, you know, give them a good soak, put some smelly oils in there and, you know, oh, Peter, try the lavender. You'll love this one, you know. <laughs> But it, it was something that needed to be done. Now, often when we kind of see sort of foot washing in churches today, it, it's a little bit more of a, a symbolic kind of thing, isn't it? It's a bit more of a, uh, a religious thing or a symbolic gesture, a religious act. Uh, but when Jesus did it, it wasn't kind of clean, it wasn't nice, it wasn't pretty, but he was meeting a need and that's ministry. To wash feet, and write this one in your notes, you can fill in the blank there. To wash feet is to act to meet someone's need. Now, when we, when we meet that need, when we see a need, it doesn't always have to be something that kind of fits with our calling. It doesn't necessarily have to fit with our gifting or, you know, maybe like our, our life's purpose. Sometimes it can just be, you know a good thing to see something in front of us that needs doing we step in we do it you know doesn't necessarily mean you have to do it every day for the rest of your life it's just you're, you're meeting a need there in that moment servants meet needs number four this is an interesting one 
servants serve imperfect people. And you might say, well, that's pretty obvious, like what other kind of people are there? <laughs> that was funny, you let a laugh, it was a joke. I know it's kind of an obvious statement, but you know, we're all imperfect people, aren't we? And if we do serve, if we, if, we, if we minister in any way, shape or form, we're serving imperfect people, but sometimes we forget that, don't we? And sometimes when people act imperfectly, we kind of get shocked or surprised. Sometimes we only want to serve people that we think are deserving. But let's look at, let's look at what was going on that night when Jesus was there. Who was around the table? This is an interesting thing. Look, look at this one in Luke. Uh, I'll pick up a verse in Luke 22 and I just kind of want to put this in because this kind of is at the same point in time as this Last Supper, okay? So Luke says this, says, Then they began to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. It sounds like imperfect people to me, doesn't it? I found this really fascinating because Luke puts this right after Jesus announces that someone's going to betray him. And then they all start arguing about who would do such a horrible thing, who would betray Jesus. And then somehow that dissolves into um, who's going to be the most important. And you can imagine how that went, don't you? I would never do that, I'm Jesus' best. You know, I'm Jesus' right hand man, I, you know, Jesus loves me, I'm going to be right up there, you know. When... And part of this is still because they still think that, you know, as Jesus is coming to Jerusalem, He's going to, you know, ride in triumphant on the, the white horse and He's going to kick out the Romans and He's going to be anointed as King and He's going to reign on, on David's throne and, you know, in, in the physical sense and they haven't quite understood yet about what's going to happen. And the even scarier part for me is that when you kind of look at the timeline of, of, of how things went in that supper with, and you marry up John and Luke, it's very, very possible that this conversation where they start arguing about who's going to be the greatest is after Jesus has washed their feet. Because Jesus washing their feet would have been at the beginning, not at the end. They would have done that before they sat down to share the Passover meal. I don't know how much time has elapsed between Jesus washing His disciples' feet and saying, serve one another, and this argument about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom, but it's not a lot of time. (laughs) And it's like everything Jesus said has just gone straight over their head. That's a little bit of a scary thought, isn't it? I don't know how Jesus, I think Jesus must have been awfully frustrated in that moment. When, when they're arguing about who's going to be the greatest. I think if I was Jesus, I would have wanted to slap somebody. <laughs> it would have been very tempting. <laughs> you know, but it's like you want, to, you want to shake someone and say, guys, don't you get it? What did I just do like an hour ago? What did I just... <sighs> but Jesus was far more patient and gracious, I think, than perhaps what I would have been. But here's the, that, that's the reality, isn't it? It's like when we serve... People don't always respond perfectly. People don't always appreciate our service as much as maybe what they, they should or could. Maybe people are ungrateful, imperfect. They won't always be inspired by your act of service. Um, Judas was sitting around the table. Verse 2 that we read before says, uh, The devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. 
And it did not take Jesus by surprise. Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him. We heard that comment about, you know, he said, you know, not all of you are clean. And John makes the point of like stating that that's because Judas was going to betray him and Jesus knew it. And Jesus chose to serve him anyway. Jesus chose to wash the feet of the man who would hand him over to be crucified. Jesus sat at the table and ate with him. He failed Jesus and yet Jesus still served him. Do you know what? People will fail you. Sometimes we let that affect us. Sometimes we get hurt and we back off and say, well, you know, if that's what serving is, I don't think I can do it. I don't think I want to do that. And sometimes, sometimes, that's, sometimes that's okay. Sometimes we need to kind of allow ourselves time to, to heal and forgive and to work through things. But if that becomes our excuse to say, well, I can't ever serve again because that person wronged me 17 years ago, then I think somewhere along the way, we've got that wrong perspective about this, this kind of whole, you know, servants serve imperfect people. When we let imperfect people kind of, we shouldn't let imperfect people rob us of the joy and the blessing that comes from serving. And Peter, you got to love Peter, don't you? <laughs> you always know what Peter's thinking, you know, because he thinks out loud. I know some people who think out loud and Peter's one of those people, you know, uh, he says, no, you're not going to wash my feet, this is not right. And I think there probably would have been a few people around that table that had maybe had some similar thoughts to that, but Peter was the one who thought out loud. Um, uh, you know, and Jesus says, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. And he's like, well, then wash my hands and, you know, my head and not just my feet, wash all of me. And, and kind of Peter's like, Peter's that guy who's always so sure of himself and always somehow so wrong (laughs) you know he's like I'll never deny you Jesus and then you know he denies Jesus three times and you know it's it's so good that there's a character like Peter in the Bible because sometimes we're a little bit like that too aren't we we're so sure of ourselves and then somehow along the way it turns out that oh whoops we were wrong (laughs) you know and and Jesus loves him anyway Jesus serves him anyway and Jesus washes his feet Sometimes people might tell us that they don't need to be served. You know, uh, find a way respectfully to serve them anyway. Now, don't be, don't be disrespectful in it, but find a way to serve them anyway. Lastly, number five, servants are humble. The Greek word for humility means to stoop down low. And it's exactly what Jesus did, literally. Like, you can imagine the scene, can't you? Jesus is on his knees. I'm not sure how comfortable I would have been with that, having been witness to what Jesus is capable of, who Jesus is. Jesus did what no one else really wanted to do. He put the needs of others before his own. And the very next day... Jesus put our needs before his own, when in humbleness 
he went to his death on the cross. Last week, if you were here, we talked about worship. Do you remember uh, there, was a, there was a question as part of last week's uh, message about worship and it was what kind of worship does God love? Who remembers what kind of worship God loves? Oh, you've all forgotten. You all need to go, what was it? Wholehearted worship. And you go, oh yeah, that's right. Oh, that's it, you'll fail. <laughs> wholehearted. So last week it was God loves wholehearted worship. So I wanted to ask a similar question today. What kind of ministry does God love? God loves humble ministry. Here's one of the things that Jesus said about humility. He said, the greatest among you must be a servant, but those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Great servants know that the biggest obstacle that they need to overcome in being a servant is my proud heart. You have to deal with God about your heart. I've got to deal with God. I know what my heart is like. I know that all too easily I focus on what people will think of me rather than serving them because of God's love for me. I know how I can focus at times on how it's going to make me feel rather than serving out of that just place of just knowing that God loves me. I know that I can be focused sometimes on the example that I can be and how I want other people to follow my example in serving rather than serving out of humility and just loving the person that I'm serving. And one of the things that if you're going to be a great servant, you're going to continually wrestle with this issue of pride. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Did you get that? It's not thinking less of ourselves because God talks about our identity in Christ. He talks about our value and our worth. It's not putting ourselves down and making ourselves of little worth. It's about thinking of other people more than we think about ourselves. It's about being more focused on the value of the person that you're serving than about your own goodness or about whether they'll be able to repay the kindness or you know, do something good back to you someday. Just as we are coming to a close for this morning, I want to I do something. I want you to imagine yourself in the disciples' shoes that night. If you want to close your eyes, if that helps you to imagine the scene in your mind, please go ahead and do that. But I want you to imagine yourself in the disciples' shoes. So Jesus has just washed your feet and He's put His clothes back on and He's taken His place. Maybe you're feeling a little confused about why He's done that. Maybe you're a little embarrassed because you know what your feet were like. But now Jesus has got something to say. He did it because of the dirty feet and it was a job that needed to be done. But now it's like there's more to it and Jesus has got something to say. Listen to these words of Jesus. He says, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord. And you're right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. 
I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. When they walked into that room that night, everything was there. Everything was prepared for someone to serve. There was, there was a pitcher of water, there was a, a wash basin, there was a, a towel that he wrapped up. All, all it needed was someone to just take up those things and begin to serve. The question is this next week, what's, gonna, what's God going to ask you to take up? What need is going to come into your view and you say, oh, I can do that. And you take it up. Maybe this week, you're going to come across some people with dirty feet. They might not be physically dirty feet, but they might be spiritually dirty feet or emotionally dirty. And God is going to take, ask you to take up that towel and serve them. Maybe they'll appreciate that, maybe they won't, I don't know. They're imperfect people. But it's possible that, you know, uh, that small act of service that you might do for someone will be the greatest thing that person has ever experienced. Maybe that small act of service will be God's love for that person demonstrated and outworked through you. Greatness is found in service. In a world where we think greatness is being noticed, Jesus says it's about noticing others. When the world says greatness is about what we can get, Jesus says, no, 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 greatness is about what you can give. The world says greatness is about what we achieve, but Jesus says greatness is about serving. Blessings come from serving. Verse 17 says, now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Jesus says there's a blessing when you do these things. All right, picture, go back in your, your mind again to that upper room. Picture yourself back there with the disciples and it's kind of just, just a little bit earlier than we were before. And it's Jesus and he's been washing, he's washed Peter's feet and he's washed Thomas's feet and and, and you've been watching and you've been in this kind of almost this, this nervousness and, and weirdness knowing that he's coming around and it's going to get to you in a minute. And then he kind of gets down and he kneels in front of you and he begins to wash your feet. And you know that they're not pretty, they're not smelling good today. How, how do you feel? What kind of, if you were there in that place, what kind of feelings would that stir within you? Maybe as you imagine that scenario this morning, the, the feelings that, that come are feelings of guilt. And you, you're kind of sitting there and thinking, if Jesus knew what kind of person I was and what kind of things I've done, then he would not be kneeling down and washing my feet. Jesus, the Son of God, would not be kneeling down and washing my feet. And if that's you this morning, I want to encourage you to receive his forgiveness. He freely offers forgiveness for all of the things that you've done, all the mistakes you've made, uh, every, every sin, every time that you've done something wrong, every time you've hurt someone, He offers forgiveness and freedom from that sin. Maybe as you're sitting there and you're imagining what it would be like to have Jesus, the, the darling of heaven, washing your feet, maybe you feel unworthy. I mean, who, who wouldn't? Am I right? 
But maybe there's a sense in which you need to get reacquainted with His grace. He does it not because you're worthy, but because He chooses to love you. He chooses to, to, to serve you as a demonstration of His love. It's His gift. How would Jesus want us to feel as He washed it? How would Jesus have wanted His disciples? How would Jesus want you to feel as He washes your feet? I believe that Jesus would want you to feel loved. John tells us right from the beginning that Jesus' motivation was, was his love for his, his people, his love for his disciples. He wants us to know that love. It empowers us and strengthens us to love others. I need his strength to do that. Let's pray together. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you that you chose to serve. But we thank you that you chose to put our need for forgiveness before your needs. And you went to that cross in humility because you knew that, that we needed that desperately. Father, we thank you that you, you did that for us. Lord, we thank you that you love us. Lord, in so many ways, you've demonstrated your love for us and your care for us. Lord, help us to understand that. Help us to grasp that. Help us to have a revelation of your love for us. Lord, let that be a motivation for us to love others. Lord, help us to see others the way that you see them and to learn to love them the way that you love them. Lord, help us to have a willingness and a determination to serve other people no matter what the circumstances might be lord knowing who we are in you lord help me to have that humility to choose to serve in even the most difficult circumstances lord give me your strength through your spirit so that i can be a servant we pray this together in jesus name amen message. For more information or to listen to other podcasts, head to our website at BethelCRC.org.au or check out Bethel Family Church on Facebook.